Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Katherine Kramer, and I play high school volleyball. I've been playing volleyball for so long that I have seen many girls get concussions from playing, and it looks awful. I have a question about concussions, because I know they leave people out of the sport for a couple months, but can they lead to problems with brain functioning years later? I love volleyball, and I want to play in college, but I care about my brain health, too. Let me know. Thank you. What a great question. I love when kids kind of take control over their own health like this Mm -hmm. and want to get more information. It's a hard question, though. Mm -hmm. But I love that Catherine's out playing sports and not inside on her cell phone like we discussed in our previous episode on screen time. (laughs) But these are important risks to know about and consider as as a parent and as a kid. I agree. And I like that she's thinking about her brain health and the future also. Totally. Yeah, so today let's focus our discussion about sports participation in school-aged children and take a deeper look at sports-related concussions. Let's do it. Dr. Dean, what percentage of kids do you think play a team sport on a regular basis? I don't know, maybe 25%. Close. Um, Last year, in kids aged 6 to 12, it was 37%, with approximately 30 million children and teens participating in organized sports in the United States. Well, that's great. That's better than I was guessing. Yeah, but it's actually declining over the past five years, so it used to be above 40%. Why is it declining? You know, hard to say. It's probably a combination of things, including our discussions about how technology has influenced participation in Mm -hmm. outdoor sports. But I think parent apprehension about safety may be contributing as well. Well, that's too bad because playing on a team is has a lot of benefits for a kid, right? It's good for kids. Right. I don't think it comes as a huge surprise to anyone, but there was one study that looked at kids that participated in any type of individual or group sport mm-hmm. at age 10 versus those who did not play a sport. Okay. And it looked at how this influenced their activity levels in adolescence. So later in childhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it showed that non-participation in sports in childhood would make children twice as likely to be inactive. So kind of couch potatoes in adolescence. Mm-hmm. So that's that's enough for me to recommend it to my patients. Right. Me too. So take a guess. What are the most commonly played team sports for kids? So I'm not sure, but I'd probably guess soccer is the most popular among girls and maybe boys too. And then football seems to be pretty popular, right? So actually, basketball is number one, followed by baseball and then soccer. Not football. (laughs) Between touch and tackle football, it comes in as number four. So Mm -hmm. close. But I guess some of our listeners wouldn't be able to guess which sports team Dr. Dean has season tickets to. Yeah. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and have always followed the 49ers. I wish I could say I could name even one player on the 49ers now that Kaepernick is out. Uh Right? Right. (laughs) You're you're right. Well, you know, you still have some education to catch up with, I guess, Dr. Lena, right? So let's talk about injuries, which I'm sure is what makes most parents apprehensive about enrolling their kids in some of these sports. Right. So 25 to 30 percent of sports injuries occur in youth involved in organized sports. And another 40% occur in kids playing unorganized sports. Um, And there are 3 million injuries annually. Well, that's a lot. Um, Since more injuries are occurring during unorganized sports, does this mean that organized sports are safer? 
than for children? Like more supervision, maybe? No, I think that it's just like the time spent in each one. Okay, that makes sense. So I personally am working in the emergency room right now. And I am wondering if monkey bars count as a sport because I am seeing a ton of fractures and, you know, injuries from the monkey bars. Oh, my. So kids, like, fall off, right? Yeah, they fall off. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen monkey bars in the Olympics. (laughs) So I'm thinking it's not really an organized sport, but Uh, it's kind of like gymnastics, right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Mm -hmm. So what sports have the highest injury rate? Well, if we look at concussions specifically, it seems to be football, rugby, and ice hockey. And that makes sense because there's a lot of contact with those sports, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Is the injury rate similar between males and females? Yeah, for most types of injuries and for most sports it is. There seems to be a slightly increased risk of knee injuries in female athletes. Those are like ACL injuries, right? Mm -hmm. That's one type. And are concussions the most common injury in young athletes? Muscle strains and ligament strains are the most common still. So that makes sense. And those hopefully aren't as serious as concussions. They don't require as much downtime. Okay. But let's talk more about sports-related concussions. You know, this has really been in the news lately. Mm -hmm. It's really been pushed. I've heard of legislation trying to address rules for kids playing so that there's less concussions. Yeah. There is a good reason for this. So slightly over a third of those 3 million sports injuries that I mentioned in kids under 18 are, in fact, concussions. Wow. So let's define for our listeners what a concussion is. Okay, so Catherine mentioned that they are awful to witness, and that's (laughs) because a concussion is a traumatic brain injury that's induced by biomechanical forces. Right, and a concussion typically results in the rapid onset of short-lived impairment of neurologic function. It resolves spontaneously, but it can last minutes to weeks and may or may not involve someone actually losing consciousness. Okay, so one thing that's different than when I was trained is this issue about that the kids may not lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. That, that seems significant to me. Yeah, I mean, you think of worse injuries as someone like, you know, hits their head and then they're, you know, out of it. They're out for, cold. They're out cold. Um, but that actually does not need to occur for someone to have a concussion. So I think that's an important point because yeah. when I was trained in the olden days, um, that's really how we defined a concussion oh, was the loss of, uh, loss of consciousness. Yeah, and so now, that has changed. Yeah, so now I realize that a concussion and brain injury may have more subtle signs and symptoms, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so typically there are no changes seen on neuroimaging, like like a MR or CT yeah. scan, right? No, we don't really utilize those exactly because we don't see anything. Okay, so if you can't see it on imaging, how will parents or providers or coaches, how will we know that a child has suffered a concussion? Well, it's a clinical diagnosis, which means only the history, the physical exam are required to make it. Mm-hmm. And kids are often disoriented or confused after the event. They can have impaired balance. They can have a slow reaction time. Mm -hmm. They also have difficulty concentrating and forming new memories around the time of the event. Mm -hmm. And the most common complaints that we see are headache and dizziness. Okay, so a kid has a concussion or their coach or caregiver suspects they have a concussion. So what's the next step? First, take that child out of the game and into a quiet place. So I've seen on football games, for example, in Mm -hmm. the the professional, they take them into like a tent on the sideline. So it's, I guess it's quieter in the tent so they can evaluate them. Yeah. 
And then ideally, a clinician or a trained medical provider should do a sideline assessment. Um, there are many tools, but the most common is called the SCAT. SCAT. Um, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it stands for <laughs> Sports Concussion Assessment Tool. So is this a good screening tool? Like, will it catch 100% of concussions? Well, no. Mm-hmm. Since every child's different, it's preferable to be able to actually compare an athlete's performance with their own pre-injury status. So how are we going to do that? Well, for example, a lot of college sports are actually utilizing this by having all athletes take a pretest that they've completed when they're like at their baseline, totally healthy. And then when these injuries occur, they suspect a concussion, then they have that um, athlete take the same test again to kind of see how it compares to their baseline. Mm -hmm. So let's say that they're diagnosed with a concussion. Should they go to the go see their doctor right away or? Well, they don't always need to go to the emergency department. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some red flag symptoms to look for. Can you think of any of those that you might warrant a trip immediately to the emergency room? Well, if they didn't regain consciousness, I mean, if they stayed unconscious, that would be pretty worrisome or had a seizure or something like that. Exactly. Um, other things to look out for are any weakness, numbness or tingling in their extremities, a severe or progressively increasing headache. If they're sort of deteriorating in their level of consciousness, so maybe they got back to normal after, but then they're sleepy and kind of slow to respond and you're worried about them. So would that indicate maybe a more severe brain injury, even more severe than a concussion, like bleeding in the head or something like that? Yeah. You also want to look out for repeat episodes of vomiting. So not just necessarily one time, but if Mm -hmm. the kid keeps throwing up. Then that would be worrisome. Yeah. And those would all warrant a visit to the emergency room. Okay, but if they don't have those severe symptoms, should they see their regular doctor? They should definitely see their regular doctor, at least if they ever want to get back in the game. Hmm. So all 50 states have laws requiring an individual who is suspected of sustaining a concussion be removed from playing the sport and evaluated by a medical provider before they're allowed to return to play. Mm -hmm. And then when they return? Yep, it should be in a stepwise, slow fashion that we can talk about more. Okay, so I I read um, a recent study of high school athletes and found that only 40 to 45% of high school athletes reported their concussion. Yeah, that is very incredible to think about. Um, You know, a lot of these teens aren't even telling their coaches or parents, let alone getting to their doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that kids aren't telling their parents or their coaches? Well, I think they want to keep playing the game, and if they tell them, then they're going to have to come out of the game or mispractice, and their teammates might view them as being, like, weak or, you know, not not committed to the team or something. Yeah, it's really awful. We need to encourage parents and coaches to speak up about this um, and, you know, talk to young athletes about it. So a concussion is diagnosed, and aren't you supposed to have the athlete, like, sit in a dark room and do nothing that involves any kind of brain power for several days, and then they'll recover faster? Is that what we're recommending? That's a pretty common thought, right? Uh-huh. Like, And that's what a lot of parents think to me. Like, shouldn't you just be laying in a dark room and not doing anything? And be bored to tears, or I think. Or bored to death. Uh-huh. But that's actually not exactly what they recommend. So there have been studies looking at the role of cognitive rest after concussion, and it found that athletes athletes who did not reduce their cognitive load at all after injury did take the longest to improve. But even a mild reduction resulted in similar recovery times to those who had extreme rest like we're talking about. So cognitive rest and cognitive load, let's define those. Right. So some people can think of that as like schoolwork, um, you know, going, sitting in class, looking at the board, driving, 
Um, Many people would recommend at least holding off on driving after these for about 48 hours. Some say not using a computer. But electronics and social media have actually not been shown to be harmful after a concussion. And like you said, like bored to death can actually lead to these kids feeling kind of socially isolated Mm -hmm. um, if they kind of cut everything off. So not cut everything off, remain connected. That'll Remain connected, but cut back. Cut back. Okay. What about returning to playing sports? For that, we typically use a guideline that was developed by the Berlin Concussion in Sports Group. So Berlin, are there a lot of concussions in Berlin or what's... <laughs> I don't know. I guess they just have the experts in Berlin that have developed this. <laughs> but okay. anyways, it's a stepwise return to play algorithm. Mm-hmm. And we can look at it here. You see it? So we'll, so we'll post this on our website? We can definitely post it on our website. I like when I'm um, discharging kids from the emergency room or whatever, I always put this in there their um, instructions but what it is is it's six stages mm-hmm. and they start with stage one symptom limited activity uh-huh, and then stage six is like fully returning to their sport mm-hmm. and the way that so you start at stage one daily and, activities that do not provoke symptoms right and then you have an initial period of 24 to 48 hours and then you can start this and so there should be at least 24 hours in between each step Mm-hmm. And as long as the child does not experience any symptoms, then they can advance to the next step. So the gradual reintroduction of work-school activities. Right. If they do experience any symptoms, then they need to stay at that step. Or if they're at a further one, they need to go back. Mm-hmm. So if they pass that, then they gradually return. And then they're at stage two, which is light aerobic exercise. Right. Walking you know, slow cycling, and then they can go, they can advance. So like the fastest you can get to return to play, if you're, you pass all of these. So let's say you have 48 hours initially, then say you have no symptoms. The fastest you're going to get back is like a week. About a week. What about um, how long until people who suffer a concussion that they have like complete recovery? Is the complete recovery in a week following this protocol? Well, like all things, it's different for each athlete or child. So studies have shown that the majority of pediatric and adolescent athletes with sports-related concussions will recover between one and four weeks. However, this time frame will lengthen with each additional concussion. So it just gets slower and slower recovery. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happens if a player returns to playing too soon? So although very rare, there is an extremely scary risk of something called second impact syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what this is, is if you've had a first concussion and you return before your symptoms have resolved Mm -hmm. um, and you sustain a second concussion, it can, in the very rare instance, result in rapid brain swelling and potentially lead to death. So it's very important to follow these guidelines. Right. And you do not want to get back in soon, no matter how rare it is. Like, if you're that one in a million. Right. I mean, it's worth it. Just set it out. So we're going to take these recommendations very seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've heard of um, three strikes and you're out. So if you get three concussions, you should just like stop playing the sport completely. Is that like a real thing? Is there like evidence behind this? There doesn't seem to be. There doesn't seem to be a magic number of concussions that an individual has to sustain before they can be no longer allowed to participate in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be a discussion between an expert, so like a neurologist, sports medicine doctor, you know, their pediatrician, and the parent and the player. Is it fair to say that more concussions is like bad, right? Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So are there any takeaways for parents that they can do to help prevent concussions or educate their their kids, their athletes? 
Yeah, it's hard to prevent concussions in young athletes. So protective equipment like mouth guards or helmets has been really beneficial in preventing more serious traumas like the brain bleeds we've talked about or the intracranial injuries. Um, but even protective equipment doesn't hasn't really been shown to prevent concussion. Mm-hmm. So that's really disappointing because there's been a lot of work in this area, right, to try to develop better helmets and stuff. There has. Um, There has been some research around, like, neck muscle strengthening programs Mm -hmm. um, because it has been shown that poor cervical, or that's like your neck strength, Mm -hmm. um, found to be a greater predictor of concussion if you didn't have strong neck muscles. And parents should also encourage rules during youth sports that limit tackling heading the ball in soccer, things like that that are obviously going to make you at more risk for concussion. Mm -hmm. So the strengthening of the neck muscles, I'm thinking that maybe if your neck muscles are stronger, then you're you're going to have like less whiplash. Your head's going to have less of an impact. You're yeah, able to control more. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm thinking as well. Okay, so that that makes sense. And heading the ball in soccer is like a great move to score <laughs> a goal, right? But that's Ugh. but that can result in head trauma. Oh yes, I just had a girl with a concussion that I saw that said she fell and hit her head and then was heading the ball throughout the rest of the game. And I was like, oh no. Right, and I guess another thing with heading that I've sometimes seen, and I'm not a big expert related to soccer, yeah. but sometimes two athletes, soccer players, go up together to head the ball and they hit their heads. Yeah, now that seems like it's just a recipe for a concussion. Yeah, yeah. The last thing is parents really need to encourage your kids to be open and honest with you as a parent and their coach about if they've sustained a concussion and really pick a sports team that you know facilitates this. You feel like the coach is supportive and fosters this attitude of open, honest. So this is all really good advice, and hopefully that answers some of um, Catherine's questions and parents' questions about concussions. What are um, other commonly asked questions about sports participation in general that you hear? One question I get a lot is, like, what do I do when my kid wants to quit their sports team? Mm -hmm. You know, they've been on it for like half a season or whatever. Yeah, so um, their kids, like, sign their middle schooler up for baseball, and then their kid says, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want to practice. I don't want to play. It's no fun anymore. I just don't want to do it. This can be really hard for parents because usually it's, like, a, a, a large financial investment, right? They, like, went out and bought all the gear, the bat. But they should really talk and listen to their child about the reasons that they may want to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be... a teammate it could be like a hostile coach or like you said they just have no interest anymore but whatever it may be you don't necessarily want to encourage them to just quit in any difficult situation because then they'll be a quitter right <laughs> <laughs> but you also have to let your child lead sometimes and really have this discussion and you know forcing them to stay in the sport sometimes may end up being more detrimental to them in the long run so maybe that's not the right sport for them but or activity they have to pick, have to pick something else pick something else and maybe it's not even a sport, but maybe it's like playing an instrument, which we know most kids hate, right? (laughs) All this emphasis on winning, especially with younger kids, you know, we see these parents at like Little League games, and they're like yelling at the sidelines when their kids miss the play. They're yelling at the coaches. They're yelling at the umpire. They're yelling at their kids. Right, and they're yelling at the kid, like, hey, you know, you're supposed to like step forward with that swing or something. Like, we're we're not recommending that intensity on parents, right? (laughs) Right. Especially, you know, young kids, they need to learn that playing sports is fun, regardless of the outcome, win or lose. Um, I really talked to parents about emphasizing fun at this age, de-emphasizing winning, 
mm-hmm. but also be a good role model of sportsmanship. So, like, complement the skills of players on both sides. Because those are skills that are going to last these kids, you know, forever. Right. So, complement, like, the other team. Like, that. Yeah. you know, you struck out, but that other kid, that pitcher, he's... He was throwing really fast, wasn't he? Yeah, or something. he was really good. He's like, really and strong, yeah. So um, learning how to compliment can be something that, you know, the kids will take with them and good sportsmanship mm-hmm. forever, not just in sports, but academics, everything. Mm-hmm. And even though the kids struck out, you could say, you had a really good swing there. You know, that was good, you know, maybe next time. Okay, so you mentioned this before, but I think we need to address it further that um, about youth sports team and in terms of the finances, that some of these sports, like there's equipment, travel, other stuff that parents have to pay for. They're very expensive. Yeah. So families may struggle to have the financial means to allow their kids to participate in sports. And this can be younger ages or even when the kids get more involved in adolescence. Yeah. And like in Sacramento, where we practice, we know that half of public school children um, qualify for free or reduced price lunches. So mm. there's significant mm-hmm. resource issues, right? Right. It's a great point because we do see when they look at this that we see a disproportionate amount of these students, so lower socioeconomic students, being left out of sports participation. Mm-hmm. So what resources do we have for parents so that their kids can um, participate in healthy sporting activities? Each community should have foundations or resources to assist parents who want to enroll their children in sports but can't afford it. The YMCA has a great program called Y Assist that can help pay membership dues for families that prove need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll definitely post the link to that on our website. And there's other foundations. So we have one here in Elk Grove. That's the Elk Grove Youth Sports Foundation. They provide scholarships. So ask your school counselor or your pediatrician and they can help point you towards resources. That's great. So it sounds like although youth sports do come with potential for injury, there's really a lot of benefits. And we recommend that all kids get exposure to team sports at some point. Yes. Participation in individual or team sports increases the likelihood a child will continue to be active into adulthood. And that's important for like overall health, right? Right. Cardiovascular health and well-being. Tons of good benefits. So concussions are not um, uncommon injuries in children who play sports, and their coaches and parents should know how to identify, assess, and remove children from play if necessary. Right, and all concussions should be followed up by a healthcare provider who can guide you in how to return to participating in the sport in a stepwise fashion, and it can be dangerous to return to play too soon. So young children should be encouraged to play sports, but more emphasis should be placed on fun and sportsmanship and less on winning or perfectionism. That's right. Um, so our question. To Catherine, who is asking, uh, the, uh, it sounds like she's an excellent volleyball player yeah. in high school and she wants to continue. Hey, and she's a senior and she hasn't had a concussion yet, so that's good. But uh-huh. she wants to continue in college. In college, yeah. So, you know, I encourage her to keep up with her sport. I think that's great. You know, the things she needs to watch out for are heading the ball. They right. don't, do they head the ball in volleyball? No, they use their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it's at, you know, it's she's at risk. Really. But they're jumping high. Yeah, and jumping so high. she may hit like a teammate or yeah. maybe even across yes. the net. She could yeah, hit, yeah, yeah, she yeah. could bump heads. Or if you dive, you could. Right. So the biggest thing is just if you feel any of those symptoms, you know, you have a head injury, you bonk heads with one of your teammates. And you feel, you don't even need to necessarily lose consciousness, but you feel that headache, dizziness, kind of mental fog. Tell your parents, tell your coach, get evaluated by your doctor, um, and and we can help you, guide you in returning to play. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
So that reminds me of a joke. Okay, what is it? Why did the doctor think that the panda had a concussion? Why? The panda kept calling the office and it said that its head was fuzzy. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. Yeah, and today we thank Dr. Nicole Friel from Shriners Hospital for Children of Northern California for reviewing today's topic. Although Dr. Dean and I take full responsibility for any errors. Or misinformation. Mm-hmm. You can find more information at our website, blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash kids hyphen considered. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Please call us 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. Have you ever had a concussion? I... I have not. I am like the wimpiest sports player in the entire world. <laughs> what sports like, do you I, do? Like nothing. nothing. I did in in high school. I did lacrosse. Uh huh. Mostly because they got to wear cute skirts, <laughs> and like I felt so horrible for my dad. So my dad is moving up here to mm-hmm. Sacramento from San Diego, and like during his packing, he asked me if he if I, he should bring my lacrosse stick, <laughs> and uh-huh. I was like, I what I. Literally touched the ball maybe one time when I was on the lacrosse team. Uh-huh. What makes you think you should bring that? <laughs> the, um, <laughs> lacrosse looks pretty brutal to me. For guys, I think it is more. But yeah, the ball is very hard. The ball's they hard. Fall, they throw it super fast. And don't sometimes people get hit with the stick too? That, like yeah, with the follow through? In, in, usually in women's lacrosse, you don't check mm. with the stick. But in guys, you actually use the stick. I think it's more like... Um, Anyways, I'm not an athlete. I'm just going to put the air that out there for everyone. Uh-huh. Anyone who knows me that listens to this will laugh um, uh-huh. because I'm not. And you've never like slipped and fell and hit your head or something. Well, uh, with my puppy right now, I'm trying to avoid a concussion on every walk every time we see a squirrel. Uh-huh. But no, have you had one? No, I, well, let me put it this way. I don't know that I've had one. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I can't remember like a bad fall and I'm, I'm a klutz I fall mm-hmm. but I usually don't fall on my head so been lucky enough in, in in that way but some of the stories that we yeah. hear from patients it's you know it's really amazing and you know we hear this also I hear it from neighbors and family too with adults too that you know somebody's like walking down the stairs and they trip and fall and hit their head yeah or it's raining yeah. and they slip and you know and there's the classic the car accident hit yeah. their head on the windshield but there's so many yeah. different ways you can hurt yeah. your head. Yeah, totally. It's scary. So it's important for all ages to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Absolutely. About, yeah, not just in sports.